Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is John Christopher, your host, and today I have with me Corcoran Dual Agent, Bob Kateen. Bob, how are you today? I'm good, John. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Now that I hear you, that's great. We were having a little difficulty in the beginning, but we've overcome those difficulties, and now we're talking. Um, before we talk about dual agents, and which you are one, uh, we were talking earlier about how you've been around the world, and then some, how many countries have you been to or have lived in? Well, I, I've been to over 100, um, but I, I only claim to have lived in one for any, you know, serious period of time. And which one was that? Just the United States. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you were traveling just got, for work at that time, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, what were you doing? You were you were with the, uh, different companies or? Yeah, I ran a division of TNT out of Australia for a while, which required a lot of international travel. Uh, I ran the intellectual property group with IKEA uh, for three years, which required a lot of international travel. And I headed up a, a licensee group uh, of 36 country licensees for St. Regis Paper Company uh, for a number of years. So it required a lot of uh, international travel. Huh, that, that's fascinating. So um, are you conversing in, in uh, any other languages besides English? Um, well, some people don't think my English is that good. So <laughs> I would, after six years of taking French, I can't speak any of it. Oh, you can't speak any French. Okay. <laughs> I was married to a French woman. I still don't speak French, though. So, or at least she, <laughs> she doesn't think that I spoke French. But do you speak with her? <laughs> yes, we with a lot of sign language. So <laughs> in any event, um, of all the places you've been, what place would you consider the most interesting? Oh, that, I mean, that's hard, John. You know, I love Paris, but there's lots of crazy, interesting places. Uh, out there that um, for a number of different reasons. And um, uh, I've been, you know, able to go to places like India with the Food for Peace program and the same thing with Afghanistan and Ethiopia. My um, right. Places that are sad to see. Mm -hmm. It makes you really appreciate what you have at home. It's so true. You know, when you travel, uh, every time I come back and we've talked about this is like, I'm so happy to be back home. You know, it's like, yeah, there's no other place like it. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, being a dual agent. What is a dual agent? Well, I mean, that isn't really the right term. Okay. And that when you look at uh, agency law, um, you know, obviously a dual agent represents uh, under the Department of State, both the uh, a buyer and seller or both sides of any uh, transaction. I think what you're talking about is the fact that I sell both in the Hamptons market as well in the, as the New York, uh, New York City market. Correct. You know, it's kind of interesting because I know of other agents that are dual agents and they'll be like in New Jersey 
uh, dual, an agent there and also an agent in New York or an agent in Connecticut, an agent in New York. But uh, uh, being in such close proximity, you know, that's that's great, I, you know, because you can handle both markets. It, it does allow me to do that. I mean, I, you know, was looking back today. I actually got my first real estate license 50 years ago. Wow. And um, over that period, I've been licensed in seven different states, but um, not concurrently. So right now I only hold uh, New York licenses, but I do have multiple licenses hung in different areas within New York. Well, let me ask you this. When you say, do you still um, take uh, continue, continuing ed for uh, like wherever your other licenses are? I don't because I've let them lapse. Gotcha. But you could always go back if you ever, you know, move there. Well, I could. But, you know, then it's a matter of paying board dues in multiple states and it gets pretty expensive. Sure. Makes sense. So let me ask you, uh, since you're familiar with the city, um, let's start with the city. Have you noticed anything different in real estate there, say, than from six months ago? Well, you know, as COVID evolves and um, seems to be coming um, less serious from a standpoint of how sick people get, things in Manhattan have been opening up as well as Brooklyn and Queens, which are the three areas that I uh, sell in. And so people are kind of going back to where they were, going back to doing things they did, going to the theater, going to the movies, going on the subway. And so the New York market has picked up uh, as compared to, to what it was like in 2020 and even into early 2021, as the trend was get the heck out of the city and go find somewhere else to live. Right. Like in suburbia or out here in Long Island someplace. So yes, whether it was Westchester or mid Island or over to New Jersey uh, and for sure out here on the East end where in 2020 and 2021, we had some spectacular um, market, um, you know, uptick. Right. Exactly. You know, I was talking to a, a friend slash client uh, yesterday, and he was telling me that his daughter um, the, is renting uh, on the Upper East Side. And she had to, uh, she's moving now because they raised her rent so much. Uh, have you seen uh, uh, people, you know, uh, landlords raising the rents like uh, it used to be there, you know, wouldn't be that much, maybe how much, 10% now? It's it's almost like there's uh, rent gouging going on. Have you found well? That? I think what I think what's happened, John, is over the last two plus years, um, you know, landlords were concerned that with the COVID laws, they couldn't evict, right? And in some cases, um, actually reduced the rents in order to to get people to pay because they were able to um, have a moratorium on their, you know, the due rent. So if, if at the time you were smart enough as a tenant to go back to your landlord and say, look, uh, I've got a problem with my job. Uh, I really want to pay you. 
uh, but I can't afford to pay you what I am, a lot of savvy uh, landlords would reduce the rent. So now some of those uh, are coming back um, that appear to be much higher than they were. And now that people are going back into the city, uh, it's strengthened uh, both the sales and the rental market. Hmm. What do you think about, you know, um, the big issue that I know a lot of people have, or at least the, you're seeing that on the media, is the, the crime factor. Are people still coming in, even though the, the crime is, you know, so high? You know, just like anywhere else, when you talk about location, 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 you got the same thing in the city. If, if you look at the way Corcoran breaks up Brooklyn, there's mm-hmm. 56 neighborhoods in just in the. Yeah, just in the the borough of Brooklyn. And when you look at Manhattan now, you know, you got the Upper East Side and the Upper West Side and West Harlem and Spanish Harlem and Inwood and the West Village. And, you know, um, there are certain areas that are probably more susceptible to those kinds of issues. And I'm sure it's having some kind of effect. And there are other areas that um, are as strong as they've ever been. Wow. That is fascinating. You know, it's uh, interesting that Brooklyn is like, uh, is that still hot Brooklyn? Well, again, there's sections of Brooklyn. Um, You know, you go to Prospect Park or Dumbo Mm -hmm. or certain areas of Williamsburg, it's the new Manhattan. Um, And there are areas in Manhattan you know, I go back um, to the 60s and the place to be in Manhattan was Sutton. Right. Now, Sutton is one of the most affordable areas uh, south of, uh, say, Harlem. That is a, that I know um, I, a few years back before uh, COVID, I'd been down there um, and um, we were going around with another agent showing uh, various li- listings with my uh, with Sotheby's, and uh, long story short, uh, I'd, we were walking over to Sutton Place, and I said, "Oh, geez, you know, this is uh, my old stomping ground." And he said to me, "You know, people, the young people do not want to be in Sutton Place anymore, and he's, you know, there's they want to be downtown Chelsea, etc." Is and you're saying is it still the same that uh, that area is not? not happening as as much as the yeah other. it doesn't that area was very ripe with pied-a-terres in its day mm-hmm. and people who wanted a place away from everything in manhattan but there wasn't the amount of restaurants and bars there wasn't grocery stores um so you know if you owned an apartment and you had a maid and a butler and they took care of everything that was great But I mean, now you look and the Upper East Side is always going to be hot when you stay close to the park and the West Village is always hot and all the rest of the neighborhoods tend to shift. Hmm. That's fascinating. You know, when you say about uh, the Upper East Side, I ran into a a woman. uh, She was in her 80s. And I said, isn't it difficult, you know, when you get older to live in the city? And she said, on the contrary. You know, that uh, she said, you know, I have everything within two blocks, you know, whether it's my vet, it's doctors, uh, shopping, uh, whatever. And um, 
you know, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> because how that's many places, very true. <laughs> how many places can you go that's, you know, you have everything in close proximity? I mean, you know, I live on the cusp of the West Village mm-hmm. and on a block with six restaurants. I can crawl home from any bar at night. A little bit different than uh, risking your DUI driving home in the Hamptons. Right. That's so, so true. <laughs> that is interesting. Uh, so speaking of the Hamptons, um, have you noticed anything different out here, say, than in real estate as compared to six months ago? Yeah, well, this is the, you know, again, the whole shift going the other way. In 2020 and 21, after coming off a pretty sad year for me in the Hamptons, as well as a number of other agents I knew, um, it was also, it was all of a sudden became Boomtown. And uh, many of the people that I sold to in that time period um, have buyer's remorse now. They feel they paid uh, over market because of the frenzy to get out of Manhattan. And I'm seeing that flip Hmm. like it it does from, you know, at times. And the only interesting thing is that I still look at things like village center properties and waterfront are holding up. It's the things that are out away from you know the action if you will right if that seemed to be woods or someplace like that you know yeah, yeah. And, you know out in the woods i think um is starting to get soft yeah interesting um how can uh, somebody get in touch with you if they have any questions for you um i mean i'm on the corcoran website i can be emailed at robert.kittine k-i-t-t-i-n-e at corcoran.com and my cell number is 631-374-9652. And I'm happy to help um, with people looking either uh, in the five boroughs or out here on the East End. Fantastic. Bob, it's been a, a delight having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life. Please stay tuned because we'll be right back after the short break with my next guest, real estate economist, Greg Heim. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me Chief Economist for Terror Holdings, Greg Heim. Greg, how are you today? Good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And, and I, we were talking earlier, uh, the uh, pollen season is really just unbelievable, isn't it? It's like inflation with allergies. I don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of inflation, that seems to be a topic that a lot of people are uh, fascinated by, especially when it comes to real estate. Um, what are some of you, uh, do you think that, first of all, let's start with Powell. You know, remember Powell? It used to be last time we spoke was Renaki, I think it was, and now we got Powell. Yelling, yeah. Yelling, right. We've been through them all. So <laughs> anyway, when are you going to become chairman? That's what I want to know. Well, for some reason, they didn't ask me. Uh, I I think the problem is that even though a lot of us saw that this inflation was not transitory, um, you know, because, again, there's two sides to it. One, we all know about supply chain issues. We're seeing it now with baby formula and we've seen it with many other things. But on the other side, the government has raised the money supply by 40 percent. So I don't know why Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen thought 
inflation would be transitory. Maybe it was more hopeful than anything else. But obviously, it's still around. It's still running at near a 40-year high. Uh, it's the biggest concern in the economy right now. I always tell real estate brokers, you know, I, I try to think of funny analogies that inflation is like having termites in a house. You know, okay. if you have termites in a house, everything else has to stop and you've got to take care of that problem because it can destroy your house. And, you know, the Fed hiking now at a time where the, you know, the economic growth was actually negative in the first quarter. Uh, but that wasn't as bad as it seems that that had a lot to do with trade and, and inventories. The good news, it's a battle between the Fed trying to get the soft landing by raising rates up and an incredible labor market combined with consumer spending remaining strong. Well, hopefully that will keep the economy on the right track. I think inflation is going to take a while till it gets back to what we consider a normal level. But the good news is, I'm not old enough for this, but you know, a lot of people can remember mortgage rates in the double digits or actually near 18%. Yep. You know, we, we liked rates that started with twos and threes. We didn't like them so much with fours. We really don't like them when they start with fives. But remember, over the last 50 years, rates have averaged almost 8%. So you can have a healthy housing market with high rates, but obviously we never want to see rates go up. And we hope the Fed's action really does start to bring inflation down without causing a recession, which is obviously the concern going forward. Well, let me issue the uh, ancillary question to that. Uh, could we go into stagflation? Well, the only thing keeping us from stagflation concerns is the unemployment rate is too low. So stagflation is high inflation, right? And you, you're seeing wages not growing and the unemployment rate is high. Usually, if the economy is growing, the unemployment rate is low, wages are growing, you expect a little bit of inflation. That's healthy. That's normal. Stagflation is you're getting all the negative side effects without the positive. So you're, we're not seeing wages rise. But, you know, the unemployment rate is a 3.6. That, that's, you know, near a 50-year low. So we're nowhere near what we would consider stagflation right now. Uh, that's great. That is, that's good to know. Well, let me ask this other question. Do you think, okay, mortgage rates have what? Uh, gone from, what, was it under three to now we're uh, at five something? Um does that affect our market? I mean, the, the you know. Well, I think when you look at luxury markets, it's not as important as it is in the rest of the country. Obviously, with low inventories, particularly, you know something about that out there, and most of the country knows about that because inventories are low in most places. So prices have been rising, and you add higher mortgage rates. Uh, for anybody looking to finance that, it's not good for the market. But again, it doesn't mean that you can't have housing sales. There may need to be adjustments at some point. But the problem is, is that while your supply is so low, sellers rightly aren't thinking about reducing prices. You know, they know that there's very little out there. Luckily, in markets where a lot of the homes are bought with cash or can be, uh, it's not as impacted. But it's it's not good. You know, a lot of people think also inflation is good for housing because it brings the prices of housing up. But the flip side of that is the longer it goes on, inflation is good for nobody. Just mm -hmm. like the longer the stock market turmoil goes on, it's initially good for other investments. The longer it goes on, the more wealth it destroys um, in, a, in a downturn, it's bad for everybody. So I don't think we should be running for the hills yet. I, I think it's, it's just the natural progression that you would expect to see. And Hopefully, we don't have to wait for the Fed to get inflation down to five or, or less percent. 
for mortgage rates to stop rising. You know, there isn't this direct correlation between what the Fed does and what happens to long-term rates. In fact, as they do more with short-term rates to calm inflation, long-term rates can start to go down uh, pretty quickly. So that's that's sort of our best case scenario. Well, that's very optimistic. I like that. That's great. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I heard something today about the rental market in New York City that there are bidding wars going on. Is that yeah. uh, the, the case? Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you know, with, there wasn't a lot of hiring going on, obviously, in 2020. And, and 2021, it certainly picked up again in New York. But the the economic recovery in New York City has lagged the rest of the nation. And that makes sense, given that COVID was a much more devastating blow uh, to such a dense city and you know one that relies on a mass transit system. So this is sort of the first time since 2019 where you've had like a normal spring renting season where college graduates are coming to the city. Their employers are actually requiring them to come, uh, something that really hasn't happened. Although occupancy in Manhattan office buildings is still less than 40% on any given day, um, you know, hopefully those numbers are expected to get better after Memorial Day. But as we found out this week, COVID is picking up again in, in New York City and they've declared it's at a high level and, you know, they're recommending masks again. So we'll see. I think the one thing about this recovery is it's going to be uneven. You know, it's going to get too hot and too cold and too hot and too cold. Uh, but I think this is a year where hopefully the city's economic growth will hit another gear and, you know, enable it to get their unemployment rate, which has been running around double the national rate down a lot. Interesting. Um, I know there, there was something uh, I heard also that um, since a lot of employers, like you said, they're wanting them to come back, uh, but uh some of them are doing like two-day work weeks or yeah. three-day work weeks in fact a friend of mine was just uh telling me about his daughter having that that uh, she uh, can live in hoboken okay because in, in the city her rent just um jumped up and he said i didn't realize they could uh you know increase the rent that much and well that's the problem in new york city because over you have over a million stabilized rent stabilized units those are, are determined, obviously, to the Rent Guidelines Board and, wh and what they choose. And they've made their recommendations and they're actually, I don't think they're very high, but, you know, most people want rents increases to be zero. But unfortunately for the non-stabilized units, you know, it can mean big jumps. And, and remember that two years ago, people were getting the deal of a lifetime renting mm -hmm. apartments. So, there's, you know, again, it, it seems that we only know extremes in a lot of markets these days. And I think this is another case where people getting renewals now should, especially if they signed a two-year lease, should expect to see a dramatic increase in their rent. Geez, amazing, isn't it? Um, the other thing they were saying that since a lot of uh, what I heard was that uh, the areas that are close by, like suburban areas that are close by metropolitan areas, like um, uh, they're trying to even undesirable areas, are being re-drenchified. Have you heard this? Uh, like, I was Well, obviously, there was a benefit with COVID as people escaped density and, and wanted to get out of particularly Manhattan. I live in Nassau County, so my, my home appreciated very nicely. Westchester, um, Fairfield County, Connecticut, all benefited from people trying to escape, you know, high-rise buildings and, and mass transit. 
you know, that that's shifted now. I think that, you know, these areas like yours out there and particularly Fairfield County have so little inventory that those markets, you know, have still held up pretty well from a value perspective. You probably wish you had more to sell because you could probably sell more of it. I think people view things different ways now. You know, every time there's some sort of a crisis, whether it's a financial crisis kind of changed the way people viewed homes as an, an investment, this is, you know, people like, do I really want to live in, in such a crowded city? And, and honestly, New York City has other issues too it needs to work out, particularly crime. And, and the new mayor coming from a police background has promised to do that. Um, hasn't, haven't seen a major improvement yet, yeah. but there's, I mean, it, there's hope, I guess, that, that it will improve. But, you know, that's that's also a major reason people, you know, are either thinking about moving or don't want to be in the office as much is because of the crime, and particularly when it comes to mass transit. Mm. I know I, uh, I saw something, a headline uh, the other day saying about, um, who was it, uh, the mayor wanting the CEOs to start taking MTA start taking the subways good luck with that um <laughs> that's what I, 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 I mean look i i think that it's it's been hard for companies they want their people back in people have grown accustomed to remote and and hybrid work i mean i i used to hate the idea of a hybrid work environment because i'm old and i like to get up at the same time every day and have the same routine every day and it throws you off a bit and uh, you know but i think uh, the latest numbers is over three quarters of companies are admitting that they're going to have to accept some sort of hybrid work environment uh, going forward. And, you know, look, the, the, this all is not good news for office space leasing in Manhattan, which has made a, a nice comeback. But this is another one of those shifts out of this because firms are going to need less space, even the ones that are demanding people come back. So, but, you know, New York City has shown an unbelievable resiliency, as has this region as a whole. So, you know, I think companies are showing a lot of faith in, in this region by the fact that they're not leaving. Right. Um, and, and a lot of the people that left have come back. So, you know, we'll see. There's a lot going on. You know, we have a governor's race, uh, you know, getting ready to kick into high gear and a lot of unknowns out there. But I, I think... The, the area and the region and New York City specifically has shown a great ability to come back. Yep. Yep. That's New York. You know, when it's uh, down, it comes back up. And when it's up, sometimes it comes back down. <laughs> that's certainly true. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the sports teams were that way, but, you know. That <laughs> doesn't work that way. No, not at all. Um, how was the first quarter? I'm not, I, I don't know if you uh, we don't have the second quarter results yet for this year. Right. Obviously, it depends on the area you were in, like in out in the Hamptons and in the suburban markets. It was slower sales, but that was to be expected because you have no inventory. Right. Um, you know, in Manhattan, we saw our sales obviously up year over year, but you know, it had taken a breather from the end of last year. Uh, we've kind of lost a little bit of the seasonality in our markets because of COVID, and when you have that kind of pent up demand, it kind of throws things for a loop. Uh, so I, I think, you know, the, the biggest problem most markets continue to face, again, is a lack of inventory. That may be getting ready to change. There's some signs that inventory levels may start to gradually pick up. In in New York City, you know, we, we're still in a seller's market, obviously, but not at the low levels. You know, I try to tell our brokers that we have levels, you know, of a five-month supply of apartments for sale. And that may sound low until you realize the national levels are below two. 
in most markets. So Interesting. You know, things the average time in the market in some areas is two weeks. In the United States, it's it's I know we all wish, yeah. but you know, we you sell in, in New York City, we sell a higher price product, which doesn't necessarily go that quickly every time, but can. So you know, I, I think the markets are behaving. It, it, the rest of the country is kind of ahead of New York City a little bit in, in where it is. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. Greg, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I hate, but we have to wrap this up. Oh, sure. So, Greg, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. Greg Heim, Chief Economist of Terror Holdings. Uh, have to have you back. And in the meantime, this is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in wonderful Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Thank you for listening. And remember, have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for real life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.